current time zone, uh, you're listening to Murder Blows. We have a very, very different story. Unfortunately, we do have a sick podcaster, so uh, her story was pushed back, but Megzi came in guns blazing on episode two uh, with a story about uh, some pretty heavy topics. Uh, but if you stick around through all of this craziness and insanity and debauchery, uh, you will get to hear some uh, fun childhood stories, or not so fun, and you're going to look at us really differently. Also, if any of you are joining us from uh, Conuga, where I assume you attempted uh, to get some tips and tricks on how to fend off murderers, uh, welcome, and I hope we scare you away just as much as we did at the panel and our uh, fun little game. So I'm going to let the ladies take it away. There we go. Okay, now everything you say can and will be held against you in the court of law. Right on. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think on a soundboard. Hell yeah. Right? Hell yeah. My... Just do it, it willy-nilly. Someone saw my boss lady agenda at work the other day and they were like, You still have an agenda? And I'm like, Yeah, I just handwrite everything. I have agendas going back like through middle school and keep them all and they're like, Why? And I'm like, Because one day I might be called into court and asked what I was doing one day and they were like, What? <laughs> Prepared me. Starting off strong, Windows Cody. <laughs> Starting out strong. For the people in the back. So, Windows oh, Cody is it. sick. Mm -hmm. And so she stayed home in no internet land. I did. I'm a horrible person. I'm sorry. I'm like the train wreck of the group. I'll pick it up next time. That's okay. It, <laughs> we're gonna let it slide. I'm just happy because that's an automatic volunteer for next week, so I have another week to just kind of chill for a second. <laughs> yes, we're good. Yeah, you guys are speaking of. Yeah, all of a sudden. Yes, my ramen's here, which I will not be eating, but that's fine. You should. I'll, I'll mute myself. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so... Never mind, I'll, I was about to like say, like, you can find our podcast in all of these other places, but I was like, wait, I'll just do that later. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can. It's new. It's all new. This is all new to all of us. Yeah. I mean, the podcast is a podcast now. It's a real-life baby. We made it's it. It's a baby. I'm so excited. I am, too. And I had, like, oh. such a iffy day at work today that I was so excited to come home and do this. <laughs> I know. I worked a double yesterday, and I work a double tomorrow, and I'm like, oh, Wednesday's my day. No one can take this away from me. Nobody's gonna take it away. Still here? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I'm just real out of it. <laughs> I think we've all had a day, so this will be an interesting podcast. Yeah, it's all good. We got this. Apparently, Maisie's gonna bum us the f out. Let's do it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, nice. Okay. I don't know how you guys want want to do this. Do you want me to say? Like, do you want me to give away what the case is, or do you want to just figure it out as we go along? Girl, this you is wanna, your murder. You can bum me out more than our uh, our government today, so. Oh, I'm, I, that, <laughs> oh, that's I think true. that's part of it. Like, I'm so depressed. Like, so, yeah. I have a child in school, and I, okay, so I couldn't sleep. I need to vent. I'm sorry, guys. No, you're okay. I this couldn't sleep all night. Cause... <laughs> As long as you can hear me. I was coughing all night, so I'm, like, on the recliner. So I finally fall asleep this morning after daylight break. And I wake up at noon, and I get on Facebook, and I look, and there's, like, county schools are in lockdown because of a gun threat. What? And I'm, like, I'm, like, oh, my God, what is going on? Like, this is stupid. Like, I have a kid in school. So I texted my best friend, and I texted, um my son's grandmother and was like hey this is going on and thank god like she was already at the school because he was sick and she was getting him oh my god but well. my other friend went and got her kid and her kid is in, in middle school and so she's usually her kid is like not bothered by anything like her mom's been like having talks with her and she's like you know, mom, it's totally okay. It's fine. We've been dealing with this forever. Well, after, of course, they put the kids on lockdown after first period, 
she was like a wreck and she didn't want to text her mom or email her mom and like worry her mom but she didn't want to be there either so luckily when i sent my friend the facebook message she just went and got her kid anyway but it's so hard it's like another thing it's like i don't need this like when my kids in school i can actually get stuff done like i don't need this you know yeah and i don't want the schools to be like jail a jail like what do you tell a first grader what do you tell a first grader honey there's going to be metal detectors and your teachers are going to have guns now but don't worry about it you know like a first grader still believes in santa claus I agree. You don't have to put this on the podcast. Yeah, I just say. have to vent <laughs> because I don't don't talk to anybody all day. Same. I like feel like this got us heated though. For <laughs> this is a good moment to just you can just make a dead silence and then be like, and that's a great segue for it. No. Yes. Kidding. I mean, no. It's dude. There's responsible gun owners. Yeah. But does anyone? Well, like, does anyone need it, though? Like, no. No. It's, like, they were made for mass killings of people in war. Yeah. We also should stop doing war, but that's another yeah, topic exactly. entirely. I think we need to move, guys. Alright. So. Yeah. Murder. 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 Um, <laughs> what maybe... you came for? <laughs> Speaking of murder, uh, Jer asked if Durr and Durr was taken as a podcast name, and I'm like, that is not what we're calling our D&D podcast. <laughs> Durr and Durr. Oh my Durr and Durr. <laughs> a bad dance move. You know the Durr and Durr? Then you do see do and Durr and Durr. <laughs> oh my god. I took the little piece down and we dirt and dirt until the sun came. No! <laughs> <laughs> But if you take it as literally D&D, that's kind of hilarious, because I stayed up way later than I do playing D&D, <laughs> so. I love it. Uma. All right, Maisie, you want to take it away? Yeah, okay, so yeah. I was telling them a little bit ago that this kind of has something for everybody, so I definitely want to hear what everybody's thoughts are because it's very dense is not the right word there's just levels and I think that Violet your interest comes in uh, Sasha yours can culturally you could say there's some uh, conspiracy of some type so okay are you guys ready oh I'm ready I am ready Durin Durin no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm TM, TM, Durin Dur, TM. TM, yeah, don't take that. It might actually be used now. <laughs> Durin Dur. Yeah, I'm as ready as it's ever gonna be. Alright. Okay, I gotta say first, I'm so sorry and trigger warning and all the things, so. Hang in there, guys. Alright. Andrea Pia Kennedy was born July 2nd, 1964. She was born in Houston, Texas. She had four siblings and was raised Catholic. She was super smart, valedictorian. She was leader of all the clubs that you could be leaders in. And I labeled her a chronic people pleaser, which I'm kind of proud of. So as a teenager, she suffered from, if we, as we go, if you think you know what it is, please say it, okay? I don't know why I'm smiling, it's so freaky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As a teenager, she was, di well, she wasn't officially diagnosed, but she told a friend that she felt like she had bulimia and depression, and that really didn't, she didn't really seek any help for that. And it's like the 60s and 70s, so keep that in mind. So, graduates high school, valedictorian, goes to college, goes to nursing school, and she is a nurse from 86 to 94. She's super successful, she loves her job. And in the summer of 86, she meets Russell, or AKA Rusty Yates. And they're married by April, they met in 89, and they're married by April of 93. So, they, Hoy. okay, here we go. <laughs> the Yates family, they would, quote, you can't see me, but quote, would seek to have as many babies as God would allow. Yeah. So, oh no, it's the bath drown it's the bathtub drowning lady. Yeah. Oh <laughs> this, 
This is Andrea Yates. So, take a deep breath, because here we go. We are in Houston, Texas, in the 80s and 90s, okay? So just keep that in mind. The 80s and 90s, what do we have? We have clunky cell phones. We have beepers, pagers, whatever. Fantastic clothing colors and styles. Great, great glasses. Windbreakers. Very pigmented eyeshadows. Yeah. <laughs> I have to use like 40 shades of primer to get it like to stick. Anyway. That's why I don't even bother. I just can't do it. Fair I'm enough. like good to get, put mascara on on a day. <laughs> All right. So they're like, we're in Texas and they're super conservative and they're like, let's have all the babies. And they're both like, cool, sounds great. And less than a year after they're married, they have a boy in 94. His name's Noah. And everything is great. They're loving life. They're living in a house. And then they have their second son, John, in 95. And after the birth of John, they... Okay, so Rusty Yates works for NASA. So he's got this big job. She's not... Well, after Noah, she was a nurse. But once she had John, she stopped working because of their conservative views rusty was like you're gonna have to stay home watch the kids and she was like but i love my job i don't want to and he was like that's great but i don't care so you're gonna stay home and so like oh red flag anyway uh so they have where am i they have john and not even a few months after they have john the second son they moved to florida in an rv because of the dad the dad's job so just think you have two adults and then two babies living in an RV. Sounds chill. Uh, so, let's see. In 97, they have another boy named Paul. And they, they, uh, they were living in Florida at the time. And at this time, while they were living in Florida, they found a, I don't know what you would call him, Technically, I wouldn't call him a religious leader, but he thought he was, named Michael Warnecki. And I just wanted to read a couple of facts about this superstar, raised Catholic, and out of Michigan. And his mother was like, hey, listen, son. He's like a teenager. She's like, listen, son, I really want you to come to church and pray. And he's like, uh, I'll only come if, uh, if I pray God better make me the all-city tailback in football. And she's like, okay, whatever, just come to church, you'll be fine. You would expect so, that wish to come from a guy from Texas, not from Florida. Well, he's from Michigan. Oh. <laughs> this what? is the background on the Warnecki guy. Gotcha. So he ends up in Florida. He ends up in Florida, yeah. Got it. But while he's in Michigan, his mom's like, come to church. He's like, only if God will put me on the football team. And he does. So... This is just because of the dude we're dealing with. But Wikipedia says Warnecki attended Central Michigan University where he studied psychology and played varsity football. So, interestingly enough, he went to school for psychology. And he spent most of his time playing football, and he just proved to himself he said he could bench all this stuff, and he just, you know, grade-A douchebag. So, as an adult, Warnecki marries a lady, Mrs. Warnecki, and they they buy an RV and they travel around to college campuses and they teach Warnecki's philosophy at these, like, what do they call them? Street preachers. And their whole deal is women should stay at home and take care of the kids and should not have to do any kind of, you know, never have a profession or whatever. Standard, what is it, conservative beliefs. Yep, seems Maybe about right. Anymore, but yeah. So that's kind of what we're dealing with, with Warnecki. And while they're living in Florida, uh, Rusty Yates and Warnecki have kind of become BFFs, so much so that before... This is it's a little interesting. Before the Yates moved back to Houston, they went to the Warneckies. They were hanging out. 
and they bought a bus for a, what is it, GMC motorhome from the Warneckies. And as they're, like, doing this transaction or whatever, Warneckies talking to Rusty Yates, and he's like, you know, I would give up my wife and kids to just deliver this message. And Yates was like, okay, me and my family is going to go now. Ooh. Which I thought was such a weird, like, <laughs> just a weird thing to back out on. Anyway. <laughs> so, like, I don't know out of all the weird shit he's probably said, him being like, <laughs> I would take my wife and kids for this belief. And, like, that's where he's like, this is too much. I mean, I could have probably been like, I jerk off with sandpaper, and you'd be like, oh, that sounds interesting. How's that go? And he's like, I would give up my wife and kids to deliver a message. He's like, oh, too much, too much for me. I'm yeah. out. All right. Whatever. So they kind of stopped having, they kind of weren't friends anymore with the War Nikes after they bought the RV. But what Yates didn't know is that uh, Andrea was still. Like, still very much believed what Warnecke taught and wasn't ready to, like, let go of that and still kind of, like, had communications with them. So, where are we at? So, we're back. They've moved back to Houston. They're still living in this, whatever, RV. So, now they have three boys in an RV. And at this time, Andrea is also taking care of her dad that has Alzheimer's. All in an RV. Oh, how? Why? How? How is that a good idea? Although and a part of a part of their um, religion, I guess, is the kids being homeschooled and not going to school. Awesome. Yeah, like <laughs> what another puzzle piece? Like, <laughs> it's oh just, my god. So she's having to homeschool these kids. Three boys running around being boys. And she's kind of losing it at this point, but not so much so that anything really seems alarming. So on June, in June of 99, Andrea has a breakdown. So much so that Rusty leaves for work. So Rusty would leave for work every day and leave Andrea at home with the kids. He left for work and he came home and she was... Not chewing her fingernails, but chewing her fingers. <laughs> yeah. Like, what an image. This, uh, she was found shaking and chewing her fingers. Uh, she was then committed, nope, she attempted to commit suicide by overdosing the very next day. So he admitted her to the hospital, and they described or prescribed antidepressants. And what they prescribed her with was a drug called Haldol. And, no, so they released her, and not very long after she was released, her husband came home, and she begged her husband to let her die, as she held, like, a knife up to her neck, so she wouldn't hurt the kids, like, she knew that was already in her brain space, that that was a possibility, and, yeah, so the husband had her hospitalized again, and they gave her another mixture of medications. But with being on this Haldol, they said after this last episode, her condition improved immediately. And she seemed she seemed better. She was, like, leveled out. She was happier. And not even. So that was on June 16th is when he found her chewing her fingers. And in July of 99, not even a whole month later, she had another breakdown. Like, once you find out what she did, you may not feel bad, but right now, 1999, Andrea, you feel so bad for her. Like, this is, this is the late 90s. Mental illness is not, I mean, from what I could tell, yeah, there was some people that just did not take it seriously at all. And as much as you you know that she has a mental illness, and so you don't want to blame her, and you want to blame the next person to her, which is Rusty, but for the time and for what he believed, he did the best he could, I guess, because 
he didn't deny that she had a problem. And that's why he's the one that always would admit her to hospitals and was like, okay, we'll try this drug. He just, there was so much uneducatedness around this whole topic in the late 90s. You just, that's part of what is so interesting. I mean, we're still fighting it today. Sure, but if you think about it then, like, there's little to no resources. And if you're not in that profession, nobody's talking about it. Nobody knows. Yeah. And on top of her being the chronic people pleaser, she's not going to tell anyone. She's going to, you know, at this point, she's already told him how she's struggling. But it's just, it's just, it's really sad. Obviously. That's why we're here. (laughs) So she... Alright, so they were still in the RV at this time. So he moved her out. They bought a house. And... Alright. So they're in a house. There's a little bit more space. She has another breakdown. And this is... this In July of 1999, she's officially diagnosed with postpartum psychosis. Which is honestly something I'd never really heard before. I mean, just being honest, we've all heard of postpartum depression. So we're going to do a quick Google of postpartum psychosis, which is probably something I should have done already, but I didn't. (laughs) Is a rare psychiatric emergency in which symptoms of high mood and racing thoughts or mania, depression, severe confusion, loss of inhibition, paranoia, paranoia, hallucinations, and delusions set in, uh, beginning suddenly in the first two weeks after childbirth. So, by the time it had actually set in, or it had been diagnosed for her, she had had three, four children, four boys. Boy. So, she's in the psychiatric hospital when she's diagnosed, and her psychiatrist, Dr. Eileen Starbuck, and she tells Andrea and Rusty that if they have another child, it would guarantee future psychotic depression. So, naturally, what do you do after she's released? After, like, seven weeks after her discharge, she is pregnant. No. Yeah, keep it in. You were going to say she takes out her uterus. (laughs) No, that would have been the best thing she could do. Jesus. So they decide to have another kid. And in order to have a healthy pregnancy, she stopped taking Haldol in March of 2000. And in November, she gave birth to Mary, her baby, her last baby. And... She seemed to be like, okay, obviously a little depressed, but okay, until March 12th of 2001 when her father died. Oh. Cue the spiral. <laughs> All right. It's almost over, kind of. So, after her father died, she stopped taking the medication. She started mutilating herself and reading the Bible feverishly. That's... I, just, I stole that word. Um, she also stopped feeding her youngest child, which I'm assuming she was breastfeeding. And she became so incapacitated that she required hospitalization. So this, this, these past every single, like from 94 to 2000, she's just in and out of psychiatric, psychiatric hospitals. Like it's insane. So, on April 1st of 2001, she goes to see Dr. Mohammed Saeed, and she's treated and released for one of her episodes. And on May 3rd of 2001, she is... She's labeled to be in a catatonic state, which I had to look up what that word means. And it basically... I mean, do you want the official definition? It's like She's a... just like... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, it's like a coma, but you're not unconscious. Yeah. She's just uh, not. The lights are on, but no one's home. Is that what the saying yeah. was? Basically, immobile or unresponsive stupor. Yeah. Is the official. Where am I? Okay. 
So she's catatonic at this point. Uh, Dr. Muhammad Saeed has told Rusty to not leave her home alone with her kids. She's not in the right state of mind for it. And he says, okay, fine, that's fair. And so his mom, Rusty's mom comes over and kind of watches Andrea watch the kids, basically. You know what fixes and... nothing? Mother-in-laws. <laughs> I like mine, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I actually like mine, too, but I just wanted to make that really stereotypical joke. <laughs> I owe mine a favor because she let me borrow a blazer, so, yeah, I'm kind of... Oh, <laughs> what are you a business woman now? You got a blazer? For costumes. <laughs> That's what I meant. I mean, we're business women. Just... You're business yeah. <laughs> anyway, so mother-in-law's in the 90s. Oh, mom. All right. <laughs> oh, it's, it's 01, actually. We're in a new millennium. Okay. So she is out with her mother-in-law, and she starts to, like, draw a bath, but it's, like, 4 in the afternoon. So the mother-in-law's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just going to need this. And she's like, no, you're not. And so the mother-in-law pulls a drain or whatever, and she, Andrea later confesses that she had planned the drowning for that day and decided to not do it. And her psychiatrist, though, Dr. Saeed, had said that she was going to kill herself that day. Like, she was going to drown herself. Mm, you got that all wrong, little fella. I mean, either way, points for the mother-in-law. Points. Yeah, right? <laughs> way to be there. Okay. So, uh, on the June 20th, 2001, Rusty left for work, and against Dr. Saeed's instructions, left Andrea alone. There was an hour window before Dora Yates, Rusty's mom, was supposed to come over. And Rusty thought that they would be good for Andrea if he would leave her home alone an hour at a time. So she would feel like he trusted her still. Ugh. Which I don't think, A, you get to make that call. Or B, that's just, like, why? Just against doctor's orders. Totally against doctor's orders. So, I mean, do we want to go down the line of how it works? Or just she systematically drowns all five children? Ugh. It's like, I I'm I hate to be asking for the gritty details, but like by age, or like. So, um, I think she's. Uh, here's the gross part. The last two were the youngest and the oldest. So, I don't remember what the order was, but she basically drew the bath, and it's like not even 10 a.m. yet, and just calls a, a son in there. I think Luke was first, which was the second to the youngest. And she just, she holds them underneath, and they drown. And then she places them one by one on the bed. And then covers them with a sheet, which you're just... Wow. I mean, you have to remember she's not, she's not even there. But... She's doing these things. Like, it's so messed up. Oh, man. The last, the last one that she drowned was Noah. And he was the oldest. He was seven at the time. And it's just... I, I'm not going to say whether he fought back or not, or whether she had to chase him around or not, but... <laughs> oh, no. It's oh. so bad. It's so bad. I mean, I so have bad. memories from age seven so he old enough old enough to know what was going on oh i got i first saw this case i had heard the name before andrea yates but i didn't really know what was going on because i wasn't please i had other stuff to do in 99 like watch disney movies <laughs> but uh i watched there's a show on hulu called crime of the century and it's a cnn show and it's good it's disturbing. I recommend you probably shouldn't watch it because they like to flash. They flash like home videos of the kids. No. And Ugh. like their their sweet little their sweet little honey faces. So sad. They're so cute. Um, I don't want to live here though. So let's move on. 
<laughs> so the irony is I remember this case because, A, I was 11, uh, and my mom had four kids. And when I heard what the psychiatrist said about the fifth kid, I thought that applied to everybody. And I was like, Mom, please, four is good. Like, <laughs> please don't have another kid. Mom, I can't. Um, Five's a crowd, Mom. We yeah. all know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, it's not even 10 a.m. She calls 911. And on Murderpedia, they actually have the transcript of the 911 call. And the CNN show plays the 911 call. It's it's very haunting because she's just saying words. Like, there's no emotion. There's no freak out. She's, she calls 911. They're like, what's your name? She says her name. And she says... What's, they say, what's the problem? And she said, I just need him to come. And they're like, is your husband there? She says, no. What's the problem? I need him to come. She just keeps saying, I need him to come. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. Is someone standing next to you? She says, no. And they're like, are you having a disturbance? Are you ill or what? And she says, um, yes, I'm ill. She says, do you need an ambulance? No, I need a police officer. And then she's like, yeah, send an ambulance. What's the problem? Hello? I just need a police officer. So, it's all very, just get somebody here. She hangs up 911, she calls her husband, and she just tells him to come home. Something's happened to the kids. And so he comes home, and when he gets home, the police are obviously there. Um, the CNN show it had some inaccuracies, but I'm not calling them out because who am I to call out CNN? <laughs> they showed a thing. They had stopped, talked to some of the detectives they interviewed, and there's grown men on the show crying because of seeing what they had to see. One of them describes what it was like to take the sheet off and just seeing, you know, one, one after another of the kids and just not being able to compute what had happened. And when the first detective got there, she, Andrea was just sitting on the couch, sitting on the couch, staring straight ahead. And he walked in and he was like, is everybody okay? And she just didn't say anything. She just sat there. So she never put up a fight with the arrest. She went straight, straight to the clink. Um, they interviewed her and there's not, besides, the only thing I could find about her, like, interviews from jail are straight-up videos. Ooh. And not so much anything in any type of an article. And one of the things that kind of stuck out with me is that um, she had some places in her scalp that she had been picking and she believed that the devil had put 666 on her scalp. And so during these interviews, she's saying these things about why she did it as she's picking her scalp. Which is very... It's all just chills. It's all very chilly. Yeah. Um, I have straight goosebumps when you're talking about the police officers arriving at the scene. Like, because you can't help but like put yourself in that spot. Like if you had to witness something like that. No, for sure. There's something, there's something one of the, the second detective on scene, his name was, I forgot his first name, but Stumpo was his last name, and he says something at the end after all the trials, and I was like, I agree, like, I could see how you would, I'll, well, I'll tell you, it's because it's not really a spoiler. He said, after the trials, he wishes that he could send her a postcard with, like, the kids under a sheet every Christmas. I was like, oh, like, that's messed up, but also, he was like, but what would that do? Like, he, he's not very happy with the ruling, but... Oof. Yeah, so... Okay. Her reason for killing these kids is because she believed that she was possessed by the one and only Satan, and that she had been raising them wrong, and so that they would be impure, and they would, she, she believed that one of her boys would be a serial killer, 
She believes that one would become a homosexual prostitute, which I know are all buzzwords, but that's what she said. That's quote her. And that, I mean, she just, she was just super afraid that she had raised these kids so wrong from now that they were all going to be so screwed up. And so she felt like for them to go to heaven, she had to be the one to kill them. Which, hello, can we take a second? Yeah. That, it all kind of, that's oh. where the Waraneki ties in. Because they're like, what did they really teach y'all over there in Florida? Mm-hmm. So, she, uh, let's see. She confessed, obviously. She didn't put up a fight. She, oh my god. Alright, sorry guys. I lost my place. No, no. I want to get all this court stuff right because it's interesting. She goes to trial, and on the defense side, you these are two psychiatrists. So on the defense side, you have Michael Wilner, and then on the prosecutor side, you have Park Dietz. Okay, so they both agree, both psychiatrists on both sides agree on a lot of different things when it comes to Andrea Yates in this case. They agree that she has a mental illness, that she was, um, like, aware of what she did, and that some of them aren't really buying the Satan stuff, but they know it's all mental illness and it's all kind of tricky. So, um, let's see. The defense is, which is Wellner. Nope. Yes. Okay. Dr. Wellner agreed that Yates was psychotic, and in Texas, in Texas, the law requires you to be able to prove that he or she could not discern right from wrong. So they have to prove that she didn't know right from wrong. In March of 2002, a jury rejected the insanity defense and found her guilty. So what the prosecution wanted was for her to... Uh, put, be put to death, have the death penalty. And the jury was like, we get the insanity thing, we get that she's guilty, but we don't want her to die. And so they sent her to a... Um, they sent her to jail with parole, uh, eligibility for parole in 40 years. So at this time, the reaction of the media is very hot because you have this mom that was by all means seemed nice and then she just kills her five kids and everybody's like no we can't have this and so everybody's raging at this point and part of the argument for the prosecution was the psychiatrist park we park deets okay so during this first trial park deets is like, so, I know where she got this idea. She got Andrea Yates, he, he claims, this is what he claims, in court. He says, Andrea Yates watched an episode of Law & Order that featured a woman who drowned her children and was acquitted of murder by reason of insanity. And that's why she's pleading for insanity. Like, he's basically saying he, she got this idea to do this from Law & Order. So, come at me, Law & Order, I'm ready for you. This trial, people are like, I don't remember that Law & Order episode. So, there's an author for O Magazine. Her name is Suzanne O'Malley. She's a professional badass. And she just happened to be a writer for Law & Order, too. And she was like, I don't think this episode's a thing. So, Andrea's attorney, George Parnham, gets in contact with Susan O'Malley. And she was like, hey, you might want to check in on this. And he's like, cool, okay. So, who does he call? Ghostbusters. Who does George Parnham call everybody's favorite executive producer, Dick Wolf? Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. Twists and turns in Dick Wolf. So, George Parnham calls Dick Wolf. He's like, hey, what's this episode called? We're trying to find it. And Dick Wolf's like, um, that's crazy, because I like Park Deeds, but that episode doesn't exist, and it probably won't. And they're like, ooh, retrial. 
So, um. they, uh, George Parnham, Andrea's DA, files for a mistrial. So, they get it. They get to do a retrial. And, basically, what happens is that she, uh, she enters a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, and in 2006, she was granted release on bail on the condition that she be admitted to mental health treatment facility. So, they're like, you're free to go, but you have to go to a mental hospital. She's like, okay, fair. And the whole time, like, there's not really anything I could find that showed that she had any type of big or small emotion during any of this. Like, any of the court, anything, which is haunting. Haunting, haunting. So, let's see. She's in a mental facility. And, yep, she was found not guilty. And she, all they've had to do was they just moved her. They moved her from one mental hospital to another. And let's see. Okay, okay. EH is transferred from North Texas State Hospital to Kerrville State Hospital in Kerrville, Texas. And she's still there. Um, it says, May of 2012, Yates' petition to attend weekly church services outside of hospital was denied. We'll figure. <laughs> and back in, in like 2004, Rusty files for divorce. And so while she's in jail, she gets a divorce. Obviously, he's now, ma- he was married again and had another son, but the wife divorced him. <laughs> He's probably got a bit of trauma under his belt, so I can imagine he's kind of a difficult pickle to, uh, yeah. You would think he would yeah. learn to be a better husband after that first incident. Right? Nobody, I guess people never really learn. So now, Andrea Yates is in that mental hospital, and she apparently does various crafts, and she sells them anonymously to the oh. outside world, and the money that she earns goes to the Yates Children Memorial Fund. It's in set up, it was set up in honor of the Yates children and raise a, to raise awareness of postpartum depression and psychosis. So that's about as a happier, like the happiest note I could end on is that she now makes things that is donated to a fund that helps people with postpartum depression and psychosis. I mean, that's cool. I just don't know if I this is totally superstitious but I don't know if I want anything that she's touched with her hands like she sells it anonymously which is probably worse so So we might have bought it don't get anything unless you know where it's from yeah so that's I didn't want to say this is the Andrea Yates case because then that kind of glorifies her yeah. But I didn't know how to, I don't, how do you word it? So it's about those poor kids. Yeah. And then like 99, you feel bad for 99, Andrea, because that th- at yeah. that time she tried suicide like four different times. But, and a lot of people, you know, like I said, a lot of people really wanted to blame the husband. But besides having a very conservative religion and kind of forcing that on her, which someone that has a mental illness has a psychosis like that. That's kind of the last thing you want to do is force a way of thinking because those two factors on top of the people pleaser aspect, like how, how else is that going to go? So while you were, or so I, what the only name that really like popped up in my mind for some reason which i've heard this case i'm pretty sure but the so the name uh that is it mike warnecki yeah so he popped up when i was trying to decide on my first case uh for the podcast which is ironic yeah that was for you that guy's for you (laughs) yeah he's all mine um that was creepy um (laughs) but no he apparently like pretty frequently interviews about Andrea Yates and about how like his story keeps changing and it makes it sound that it makes it sound like she just like dejected all of his teachings 
And he, yeah. there was actually a quote from him from Good Morning America that was like, uh, if she had really listened to me, she'd be walking in a happy light of faith with her five children and all this jazz. And gross. Yeah, well, he also Jesus is the over best medicine. Campuses. Huh? What? I said because yeah. Jesus is the best medicine. Oh yeah, yeah. He he's yeah. a like pretty prevalent like religious spokesperson. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, this has something for everyone. <laughs> I mean, you could talk about how in the 80s and 90s in America, I'm sure, um, I mean, everywhere too, like, the culture around mental illness is just, it's such a stigma. Even now, it still is, but there's a little bit more conversation around it. And another thing is that time between, so in 2001 and 2002 when she went to trial the first time, she had been in jail for like three and a half years until 06 when they were like, we want to do a retrial. And like between that time from 2001, 2006, there was so, the conversation around mental illness and postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis had gotten a lot more attention, basically. And by the time their second trial came around, they didn't want to hang her by their by her toes like they wanted, like the people didn't. You know what I mean? Like, everybody was like, we get it. She should just go to a mental hospital. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, of, how could you not? Kind of oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm just, just going to repeat myself. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, not to, I think I talked about him last time. I'm echoing really bad. Um, it's like, I always said that even if he had anything, which I don't think he did at all, but if he any part of the murder, I, like there's no way he could be which is what blows my mind even more is how much time he spent in jail but how he could be even a little bit responsible yeah for even himself because he just doesn't have the stability like mental stability for it you know like yeah and i'm not justifying what andrea did at all because that's just but it's it's almost like she's a victim of a system because no one knew and uh what's the drug Drug on Hardall? Huh? Oh, Haldol. The medicine? Haldol. Yeah. That's been through, like, so... It might not be that one. I don't want to talk out of my ass. Just medicine in general has, I feel like, been constantly tested with, you know? Like, I I know someone who are, are new, I guess. They were put on, like, so many different kinds of medicines and, like, changing the dosages on the regular, you know? Like, yeah. you hear about that current day, I can't imagine what garbage it was back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just heard a commercial for an antidepressant that was, like, may increase thoughts of suicide and self-harm. And, like, part of me is just, like, that's the opposite of what this is supposed to do. Why are you giving it to people? <laughs> like, if right. that's a potential side effect, like, maybe no. Like, it, I guess it could work for most people, but I don't know. Yeah, that's partially why everybody wanted to blame Rusty. Because they were like, why wouldn't you, why would you keep having kids? And he was, there's some quote about a Mercedes that if you have the flu and you could get a Mercedes, would you not take the Mercedes? And, like, it's stupid. But, and, like, his view of it was when she's great, when she's good, she's great. And so why not have more kids? Because we can always fix how she's feeling. And there was a quote that he... Rusty, I mean... He seemed like a decent guy, but he seemed like kind of an ass, too. Because they would have these family gatherings with, like, both of their parents and, like, in-laws and stuff. And Rusty would, like, announce how Andrea's doing, which... How... I get the conversation going, but maybe not that way. Like, how kind of embarrassing... For her. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd be real angry if Jared just walked into a Christmas yeah. dinner and it was like, Sasha's feeling under the weather today. Sasha's mentally stable today. <laughs> like, what kind of bullshit is that? So he went there on a family thing and he was like talking to his brother in law and he was like, Rusty was quoted to say this that, um, I'm not going to find it. That sometimes people with depression just need a swift kick in the pants. 
and the brother's like, oh, I'm gonna go over here. It's all like, I feel like then everybody was still learning what all this meant, but, you know, he was kind of an ass. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it. But yeah, I watched this on The Crime of a Century, and I wasn't really paying attention until they said Dick Wolf, and I was like, I know him! <laughs> and then I rewatched it, and then it was interesting. Not only are you into true crime, you're into fake crime, too. Oh, yeah! Oof. I love Dick Wolf. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's still very controversial because of the whole mental illness thing and how that could go and farm depression are like, this is real, and people without it, men, are like, oh, it's not. Yeah. I'm not mad at her. I'm very sad for her because right. if like she gets the help she needs and like becomes bad like a back to whatever normal could be considered to be like mm -hmm. she's just gonna suffer guilt like that whole time like there's never a good state for her to return to yeah so. I mean that's I feel like that's maybe why she's just making stuff in the mental hospital now just because it's something but how are you ever gonna be okay with anything like, how does food even taste the same? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just a shell of a human. I think there's more behind it, too. I'm, like, really stuck on this uh, Warren Necky guy. Like, it just seems odd. There was someone that they interviewed. I didn't catch who. So, once again, this is just another inaccuracy, probably. But there was someone that interviewed them or interviewed him and then went to interview with another reporter and said that she probably would have been fine if she had never met him. Yeah, yeah, I read that. I mean, and it, I mean, I definitely think that mental illness, a hundred percent, like, was the true, uh, what's the word, motive for this case. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, if someone has kind of a fragile mental state, and I mean, that's just the basis of like a cult fa following. Um, is well, I mean, it's like you're mentally ill, and you're gonna. Stay here and watch five kids in an RV and an old man. Yeah. Good luck with yeah. that. That's another thing. People are like, well, no wonder she went crazy. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. I would have. Right. Yeah. No joke. Yeah. For, for, cause, for a while, they had two kids in a small space, and they had another kid, and they moved to a smaller space. And so what – I didn't say this, but the prosecution actually tried to turn it to that Andrea – killed the kids to take revenge on Rusty for putting her in certain situations in her fragile mental state but the defense was like yeah we're not going to do that we're not going to drag him into this so it's all just kind of like Ugh, like hands in the you know like Ugh, you guys can't see me but you know what I'm doing mm -hmm. but that's like what I was saying The like the worst thing the worst position for someone with a psychosis to be in besides a manic state, is to be surrounded by this religion that is just, it seems so bizarre to all of us, but in some way it maybe kind of made sense to her on top of being a people pleaser, so it's just yes sir all around. Yeah. Well, go ahead, sorry, Sasha. Oh, sorry too. Um, but they like, they moved across the country, so like, I'm going with she probably didn't know anybody, and then the one person that will talk to them is feeding her this bullshit. That's no, what I'm yeah. thinking, too. Because, That's like, they... Go ahead. even if she wanted a way out, she didn't have one, because if she said to her husband, like, maybe if I got a job, maybe if I got out of here, and he's like, no, your job is to stay at home and mm -hmm. love Jesus and take care of these kids, and we're going to have one more. You know, like, there's no, there was no way out for her, like, right. at all. And they were saying part of, like, what just added to that, she, she was apparently after the, after John, nope, after Noah, the firstborn, she was still, like, active, she worked out, she did swimming, she was still social. After John, her second kid, she became more reclusive, and that's when, that's in 95. That's when they went to Florida. That's when they got more involved with this Warnecki dude. That's when Rusty kind of got more strict. 
and when she started to homeschool, they said, like, she was even more reclusive. So she was being cut off from literally everyone besides Rusty and Warnecki. Which, and let's not even, I'm not trying to make stabs at anyone's religious views at all, but a lot of, like, religious cults, <laughs> I mean, you all know my feeling personally, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but a lot of religious-based cults are spawned from fear. And, I mean, even just religion was kind of fucking freaky. Like, I was reading uh, a chapter from uh, the Extreme Teen Bible. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, send me that. <laughs> Trace horny boys represent. I tried to uh, send a, a screenshot of what I was reading, but my phone is garbage. But it was about <laughs> the whole chapter was about how to handle uh, a man's bodily discharges. Ew! <laughs> Why do you word it that way? Because that's how they worded it. I know. I know. Direct quote, and it was just handling like, it. it, was just like, <laughs> it yeah, it, literally. You have a handle on that. They were like, look, if you bodily discharge on something, you have to wash it in yourself, and you're not clean until the next day. Right, you going to hell for that bodily discharge. So it's like, I can't even imagine, and, and I think that's why people get so, like, wrapped up in the religious cults, in essence. Not that he is a cult, not attacking anyone. I'm just saying that, like, Jonestown obviously had its issues. <laughs> and, they, and, like, Heaven's Gate and stuff like that. Like, I mean, they had good intentions, and... Exactly. The the idea, yeah, the idea is that if you follow this man who supposedly talked to this all-knowing creator, it, he'll show you the way to greatness, and you won't burn in hell, which is just, like, the scariest thing. Like, no wonder, like, as a child, I was just like, I'm not fucking doing anything. I remember, right. like, crying. I sobbing. This is the dumbest story. You're welcome, podcast. But <laughs> I like was sobbing and screaming in my room. My mom was like, "What's wrong?" I was like eight years old. And <laughs> have you ever drank a lot? <laughs> have you ever drank a lot of water and then moved your stomach <laughs> fast and heard water? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know exactly where the story is going. I want to know. I totally thought that I was somehow pregnant, that oh, I was like, the new Virgin Mary. I was like, I'm not ready. Like, I, I can't do this. Like, no, all the persecution that comes with it. I'm eight, seven or eight years old. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, listen, mom. And I just like shook my belly. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, you've never been a young female if you've never thought that you were the Virgin Mary for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, that episode of Rugrats where I don't know remember who it was, but they swallow that damn watermelon seed and it grows oh, inside no. their stomach. Tommy. That messed, that messed up a whole generation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like something fucked with all of us. <laughs> Mom told me if I man, I don't know why we're spinning off into the stories our parents told us when we were younger. <laughs> but uh oh, we can go there yeah, with murder blows. So I didn't uh <laughs> Let's get some ASMR. Thanks for listening to Murder Blows. Um, <laughs> my name is Phoebe Judge. I'm kidding. Um, no. My mom told so I didn't suck my thumb uh, like a normal kid. I suck my middle and my ring finger on my left hand. Um, so it looked like I was always doing the rock on thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and she told me that my nails would fall off and never grow back. What? Jokes on her. Those two nails grow faster than any other nail on my body. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some stuff my parents said, but it was never that funny. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I think. Well, because. Is it fair to say that we were all raised in at least semi-religious backgrounds? Yep. Oh, I'm about to blow your mind. Uh, I was semi. raised completely agnostic. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, which is crazy because now your parents are. Yep. So at age like 14, my mom decided that she was religious and it went very far, very quickly. Is your mom a part of Scientology? No. 
<laughs> I don't think I don't think she'll ever listen to this, but uh, Jehovah's Witnessism, and I you couldn't told me that. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out because like I found out. So my birthday's in April. A lot of the times it falls on or around Easter, and um, by a lot of the times I mean like every four years. So you know, like six times in my life, um, <laughs> that feels like a lot. Um, and I was like, sweet, I wonder what's going to be in my Easter basket this year. Like she had just gotten divorced. So I was like, she's in like full on mom buying extra presents because she feels bad mode. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. So I was like in it. I was like, this is what I want in my Easter basket. I know the Easter bunny isn't real, but I won't tell my baby sister. And she was like, oh, we're not doing that this year. And I was like, okay, why? She was like, mm, Easter is a pagan holiday. And I was like, <laughs> okay what i was like easter's like literally the least pagan holiday and she <laughs> was like well what happened was you know early christians started pairing pagan holidays with christian holidays so that way they became like less secular <laughs> and more christian and oh. i was like i thought that was a good thing because it brought more people to christianity now at this point i was still agnostic to everything i actually right. like I actually used to write letters to the school board because they invited, like, religious groups to preach in the morning before um, school started, and they were allowed to do that because it wasn't school hours, and I was like, well, I have a right to separation between church and state, and I demand a different place to sit in the morning so I don't have to listen to this nonsense. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, they let me sit in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> That I'm is, gonna watch anime. <laughs> that's awesome, though, because I was totally on the other side of that in schools. Like, God hates that you can everything. still drink beer as an adult and not go to hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's I saw. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. I'll find out later. I was like 11. We, I was at Ingalls with my mom, and then I saw my Sunday school teacher with a pack of Blue Moon, and I was like, oh, you're, not, you're not supposed to have that. That's like, that's like devil drinks. <laughs> Bruh. You, everybody's a hypocrite. I get drunk on Jesus. <laughs> Jesus with a <laughs> Jesus with a half orange. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> with a garnish. Yeah. They then decided to teach a self defense class to only the girls, and they Not had. A bad idea. Well, you know. <laughs> I said women and men should be treated equally and men should have the option to take the class if they wanted to. That's true. And then they made a sign a waiver that said basically like the company providing the training wasn't like liable in any case including death and my mom refused to sign it. <gasps> so that Everybody was fun. Everybody family seems so woke. Too woke sometimes. Then we, woke. Got, we got into an argument about vaccines and... I oh. don't talk about oh. politics at all. Ooh, hot take. Yeah. It's just, you know, when you, like, expect things from somebody and they don't do that thing and you're just like, oh, shit, fam. <laughs> like, I'll never forget the conversation where I was like, what's everybody's big beef with gay people? My parents were like, oh, hell no. Oh. I, was like, I was like, no, really? Like, I don't get it. They were like, oh, this is why. And I was like, that that doesn't make sense that's that's silly like come on you guys can't seriously like what's the problem here and you just yeah. like slowly back out of the room yeah <laughs> it gets heated real quick because you're just like that seems silly yep well that's like every facebook post from certain family members i'm like i'm gonna unfollow <laughs> well no because then they'll be like what happened well so you can mute them without unfollowing them which is the literal best thing i've ever learned in my life oh, so your mom got facebook she got the account herself very impressed yeah. okay yeah yeah well i had to unfollow her <gasps> because i can't deal with the right-wing propaganda oh boy so, uh, christmas is gonna be awkward <laughs> yeah, I just well, deal with it. You don't. They don't know you unfollowed them, so it's no. great. <laughs> They're just like you yeah, don't like, like any of my posts. Did you see what I posted? Did you see what I posted on Facebook? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I totally did. Or you can <laughs> say, I'm just not on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I tell her sometimes I switch to Twitter. So don't tell her that. 
Well, she will never get a sweater. She'll never know how to use it. Like, okay. That's over her head. I was about like, to say, that's the only thing that Murder Blow ha- Murder Blows has. <laughs> Yeah. The secret Twitter. The secret. It's I like a Twitter. secret garden, but nobody's got polio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the best movie. It was a pretty so, sad book. <laughs> so I had an idea. Uh, so I'm pretty sure we're we're wrapping up the case, correct? Yeah, it's done. I hope I didn't stutter and make too many awkward pauses. No, I think was, that makes I it more real. been a young female if you've ever thought that you were the Virgin Mary for no reason. 